Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. fans to the two minute round your hooks and jabs look at female boxing this is episode number 120 number 120 we've been gone for about a month but we are back and we have a uh, plenty of news notes and upcoming fights for you my name is felipe leon from southern california slash tijuana mexico and all the way in the barrier where i'm sure it's starting to get a little bit nippy is miss lupi gutierrez lupi how you doing tonight I'm doing really good. Yeah, it's 49 in the morning. Kind of wow. cold. And in the Inland Empire, oh, actually now, right now, he's in Miss, in Las Vegas to cover the weekend's <laughs> fights, but originally from East L.A. and then from the Inland Empire, Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight? Very, very good. Just just drove in and I'm ready to go. Well, there you go, folks. We've been away for about a month, like I mentioned a couple seconds ago, but... We do have a, a full show. We don't have a guest today. We opted not to go with one so we could have enough time to talk about everything that we saw in the last month in female boxing and what is coming up as well for the remainder of the year and all the news and notes in between. So let's jump right into it, into the fight results starting Saturday, October the 16th from Mexico City in a non-title fight. The interim WBC 150-pound champion Sonia Osorio lost a unanimous decision to Angela Nolasco. Scores there were 78-74 uh, and 77-75 two times. But like I mentioned, it was a non-title fight. So it doesn't affect her interim WBC super flightweight title. And in Cancun, Mexico, the same night, the current 108-pound WBC full-fledged champion, Yesenia Gomez, also had an eight-rounder in a non-title affair against Itzayana Cruz. She ended up winning that via a unanimous decision. And in that afternoon from Newcastle, England, the current WBO 160-pound champion, Savannah Marshall, scored a second-round TKO over African Lolita Muzella. The score there was 158. Lupi, you saw this fight. It was very short. Did you see some improvement of from Savannah Marshall? Obviously, she has some professional fights under her belt, but she started as a pro a little bit later than the bigger names at 160, including her arch nemesis, Clarissa Shields. So do you see her improving more in the pro style in the two rounds that you saw her against Lolita Muzella? You know, it's kind of hard to tell because when you, you're put up against somebody that's not at that level, but when you separate the fight and watch Savannah's movement, yes. I mean, she has – she's like the Pink Panther. She's got extra long limbs, and so she can get around. It, it seems like she's working on things in those two rounds, you know what I mean? Instead of really fighting, she's, she gets to work on her uh, work on her style you know what i mean i always see improvement with her but the, but the the test is yet to come the real test 
David, do you agree with uh, Lupi's assessment where it was more of a sparring session where she's working on something than a fight? I totally agree. I see the same thing. Uh, she hasn't really been matched against anybody really tough or somebody who could make her think or switch gears. Uh, basically, they're all sparring matches. Well, we'll talk about Savannah Marshall a little bit later on the show in our News and Notes uh, segment. Uh, moving on to Wednesday, October 20th in Hermosillo, Mexico, on ESPN Deportes in Mexico, Sulem Morbina scored a split draw against Tania Isel Garcia in an eight-rounder at 112 pounds. The scores there were 78-74 for Garcia, 77-75 for Urbina, and an even 75-75. This is Urbina coming off her loss. I think it was her second loss in a row. First one was to Marlene Esparza. The second one was to Naoko Fuyoka. And now she gets a draw. After the fight, Urbina mentioned in her social media that she needed to take a break from boxing. She mentioned that she had not taken a break from boxing since way, way early in her amateur career. So as her whole pro career and the majority of her amateur career, she had gone nonstop without breaks except for you know, inactivity when she was with Azteca, but she kept, I mean, with, I'm sorry, with Sanford, but she kept training. Do you think that is the right step at this point, coming off two losses and a draw, David, for her to take somewhat of a break and uh, and kind of get refreshed? Uh, yeah, I kind of do think that's a good idea, especially if, you know, if it comes from her. I mean, she wanted, she decided to take a break, step back, uh, sometimes it gives you an opportunity to refresh your everything, the whole battery, your brain, and, and wait until you're hungry again because um, she's, a, she's a really good fighter. She's hungry. She just needs to reevaluate some things and, you know, get, get recharged. Lupi, yeah. you're involved in heavily in amateur boxing. Obviously, we talked about uh, beautiful brawlers and, and the tournament you guys had. And in amateur boxing, if they're lucky, they get to fight almost every week, if not every other every other week. Do you see that burnout from some of the of the girls and young women that you guys are involved with, where they kind of start getting tired of just the whole grind of being a boxer? Yeah, I mean, you can see it as we watch some of the girls, um, beautiful brawlers and me getting to know them through my sister. And there's a, a few of them who they went to the Olympic trials and they're on the, the Team USA, and now they're gone right now. And you don't – there's one very popular that at 112 that you don't – we're like, where is she? Well, she had quit her original team. She went to the OTC. And, you know, they do get they do get burnt out. They, they want to change. They start maturing and start – you know, the hormones are just getting a little older and they just want to break out from where they've been for so long, you know, with the same trainers. That's what we see. And then you see other girls who they they have um, like 40 fights, you know, already at 19 and you could see the burnout there. And, it's you know, it's true. You can't see the burnout. And when we see the littles who are already fighting, they have a ton of fights at 9, 10, 11, and we're seeing some girls who go, wow, I'm behind. You know, I'm really just getting into now at 13. And we're like, you know what? You're perfect because you do see the burnout. Is that something that you guys as a team kind of, um, you know, suggest that maybe they should take 
some breaks during their training, you know, maybe a, a couple weeks, a month, so they could kind of get refreshed? Yeah, if we see the girls who we're, we're closer to, yeah, sometimes well, one that I'm thinking of that's really close to so sometimes you need to take a break from your coach, your coach dad, you know, and it's not a bad thing. It's just that you get too comfortable. And then you you see that at post COVID you're you're losing your fights. There's two out of three that you lost, and you know take you need to take that break or just back off. Especially if your coach is your parent, and then back off. You you have to do it. And I think that we're open enough to to say something with with the girls that we work around, which is great. And I think for Sulem, since she's she's you know she's a pro and. I think for her, she needs to take that break. I think it was the best thing she could have done. But she needs to take that break so she can level jump to a champion mentality. Because she's right there, you know. She loses to Marlene, and Marlene becomes a champion, and then loses to the champion. So I think there's a level jump she needs to make. And the break's mm. probably the right thing for her. Moving on to Saturday, October 23rd from South Korea. Etsuko Tara loses a unanimous decision to Vietnamese T2 Nien. In a 10-rounder at 105 pounds for the WBO world title, scores were 96-94 three times. At this point, Tata couldn't call hometown cooking since Nguyen is from Vietnam and she's from Africa, I mean, sorry, Japan, and they ended up fighting in South Korea. So that might have seemed like a very close but just scorecard in Tampa, Florida. What's that, David? That was horrible. That was a horrible judging. Really? You You got to see the fight? I saw the Vietnamese girl win two rounds, maybe, and Tata just owned her, but I don't know what the judges are looking at. It was really pretty bad, pretty bad judging. You found that fight on YouTube? Uh, I got a link from uh, somebody in Japan, and I saw it uh, I saw it the day after, and, uh, and also I spoke to uh, Sinisa Estrada's team. They thought the same thing, too. He said, "Wow, well, we're gonna have to look for that. Uh, we're gonna have to look for that for that uh, link, or or maybe it's on YouTube already. And we could take a look for ourselves. I didn't know that there was actual footage of the fight, so that's good to know. Um, the same day, uh, Saturday, October twenty third, from Tampa, Florida, we saw the return of Rosalinda Rodriguez score a second round TKO over late sub Elizabeth Twani at one sixteen of the round, and on Saturday, October thirtieth. From London on the zone, Chantel Cameron takes the first tape towards Undisputed when she scores a unanimous decision over former IBF 140-pound champion uh, Mary McGee. Scores there were 190, 99, 92, and 99-91. Pretty wide. Cameron came in as a WBC champ. She leaves as a WBC and IBF unified champion. Loopy. After this, after this performance by Chantel Cameron, do you see her as the number one seed in that tournament, which we're going to talk about a little bit more later on in our show? Do you see her as the number one seed, or you're reserving judgment until you see tomorrow night's fight? I'd like to reserve cool. judgment until tomorrow night's fight. Mm, interesting. David? Go ahead. Go ahead, Lupe. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. That I mean, Chantel really shines. I mean, 
I'd like to reserve judgment for tomorrow. Mm, <laughs> interesting. Usually, usually look you know pretty what? outspoken. Can I? I know. I just want to reserve. But what I can, what I do want to say, if you haven't seen the fight, when Chantel threw Mary McGee into her round at the bell, I mean, it was an exciting fight, and that was like, for me, that summed it all up. It's very exciting. David, same question. Do you have her as number one, or do you want to reserve? No, I reserve it too. Uh, I always like. I believe in letting. Just let them fight. You know, we can say all we want, but in the end, they got to get in the ring. And styles make fights. Uh, one style looks good against another style. Uh, I saw that uh, uh, in the Cameron McGee fight. You could see that Cameron believed in her power, and then found out it wasn't good enough. You know, for McGee, so she had to resort to a plan B, and uh, you know that's that's what boxing's all about. It's all about styles, mm-hmm. and uh, we saw the same with Kelly Reese when she fought Deanna Prozac. Uh, she had a hard time with her, you know, and she was the bigger girl, and mm-hmm. uh, you know you, you don't know until you match those styles against another style, and uh, that that's why I'm reserving uh, judgment. But one good point that you make is that when you what you mentioned right now that when Cameron realized that her power wasn't enough to end Mary McGee's night early, she resorted to Plan B. And then you mentioned Callie Reese in that Diana Brazic fight, which was her last fight out here in San Diego, California, which I had the honor to be at live. And I didn't see that Plan B from Callie Reese, quite honestly. You know, so basing ourselves on their last fights, Cameron against McGee and and Callie Reese against Deanna Prozic, you know, I think Cameron looks pretty strong uh, within the remaining fighters, which are um, her, Callie Reese, and Jessica Camara, which uh, we're going to be watching tomorrow night. We'll talk about that in our fight in our fight uh, preview. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, this is very exciting. This is what boxing needs. We might see it at 130 pounds, which we're going to talk about in a little bit as well. But the zone has this one pretty much set to whoever wins tomorrow faces Cameron, hopefully in the early trimester, in the first trimester of 2022 so that they could crown a, a unified and undisputed 140 pound champion, which I think it's a, it's an overall plan for Eddie Hearn. I could almost, I would go on out on a limb to say that Eddie Hearn's number one priority in female boxing is Katie Taylor a fighter that he signed out of the Olympics, you know, very decorated amateur from Ireland. And I believe that yeah. with these fights, whether at 130 or 140, he's creating future opponents for for Katie Taylor. So let's see what happens there. And we'll talk about what's coming up in the fight chatter, obviously, with tomorrow night, the second half of that tournament happening from um, the East Coast. Uh, on Monday, November 1st, from Belgium, Delphine Pers- Go ahead, David. No, no, I agree. Okay. Monday, November 1st, <laughs> from Belgium, Delphine Persoon scored a fourth-round TKO over Beatriz Aguilar at 135 pounds in a scheduled eight-rounder. The time where it was two minutes after Beatriz Aguilar decided not to come out um, for the fifth round. And on Friday, November 5th, Hannah Rankin scored a unanimous decision over Maria, Maria Lindbergh in a 10-rounder to capture 
the vacant WBO and IBO 154-pound titles. Scores there were 98-92 and 97-93 two times. This is kind of interesting because at one point we had we had um, Anna Gabriels as the regular champion. We had Raquel Miller as the interim champion. And then we had Clarissa Shields capture surprisingly and unexpectedly not that she captured it but the fact that it was available as a vacant title a super title at 154 pounds and since that fight now Raquel Miller has been stripped Anna Gabriels is not a champion at that weight class anymore maybe because she went up to 168 175 or 175 in heavyweight which she won two titles yeah. in two different categories in her last fight and now the sole 154 pound champion for the wba is anna ranking so a fighter that clarissa shields has already beaten but it would be interesting to see her against the two women that i mentioned like my like uh anna gabriels and or raquel miller so We'll see if that is something that can be made. Now, I don't, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but who is – Anna Rankin with Salido Promotions, right, David? Uh, yes. Or what, okay. or yes. With Mark Tappet. Also Salida, yes. Who else with Salida? Anna Rankin, right? I wonder if she has a TV deal in uh, – well, she's from Scotland, but I don't know if she has a TV deal in the U.K. or if they just put it on. Obviously, it wasn't televised in the United States. But we'll see now with the world title, they could kind of knock on some either um, uh, networks or or applications to have Anna Rankin mm-hmm. defend her title on some kind of airwave. So we could see that, especially if it's against an American or somebody that is a little bit more well-known like Anna Gabriels in the United States. So we'll see what is uh, holds in the future for the, no- the newly crowned 154-pound WBO champion. And the same night at the Virgin Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada, top rank on ESPN Plus, gave us as the main event, Michaela Mayer scoring a unanimous decision over Maiva Hamadouche in a 10-rounder at 130 pounds. Michaela Mayer walked into the ring as a WBO champion and left as a WBO and IBF champion with scores of 190, 99-91, and 98-92. David and I, in our private chat, had a little bit of a back and forth regarding the scores. I was actually at the fight, and I saw it much, much closer than those. Well, not so much closer than 98, 92, maybe one more round for Hamadouche, 97, 93. If I was being generous, 96, 94. But I did see live Maiva Hamadouche giving Mayer some problems in the early going, um, and then Mayer Mm -hmm. kind of switching switching out her strategy and then closing out the show in the second half. Lupi, you seem to agree with me and not with David. Help me with this. Yeah, I did. You know, yeah, I saw um, Hamadouche come out. She came out pretty strong. And and Michaela, she always takes a little bit, a few rounds. So, like, when she fights the shorter, she goes short instead of using her rage and length. And then she pulls out of it. But, uh, Philippa, I agree. And, and I wasn't there. Me and Blanca were watching it on Design, and we were looking at each other like, wow, this girl, we, you know, because I, I know I have my personal feelings against Hamadouche because of the Olympics, but I was really pleasantly surprised that she came out and she had a great U.S. showing. You know, Michaela pulled it out. But, yeah, I did see um, Hamadouche in the first few rounds. I, the scorecards were too wide. Not fair. 
Great fight. Great. David, give us your case of why you saw it. I think you gave her one or two rounds at the most, right? Yeah, I gave her two rounds. Uh, I tried to give her a third, but I couldn't. It was just, for me, it was uh, Michaela was landing the way stronger blows, and Hamadouche was basically, she was hitting, but she was just uh, like windmilling, but not really with power. And Michaela was, was using leverage in her punches, and she was teeing up in Hamadouche. The one thing I got to give Hamadouche, though, is, man, she could take a punch because she got hit right on the jaw <laughs> so many times. I mean, right on the button. The only time I saw her hurt was when she got hit to the body. And on the body, I saw her back off a couple of times. And uh, But, man, she, she probably got the best chin in the super featherweight division. They might have the best chin in boxing. I mean, if he, I mean at least in <laughs> boxing today, I agree with you. Man. I mean, yeah, pretty much. And her, and her condition and her motor. I mean, she's and, and she's very brave. I mean, she just kept going yeah. and going and going. I mean, she just did not stop. And we've seen that before in other fighters, Mexican fighters, and and other type of fighters. But my Mahamadou's at that level, at the world class level, world champion, just coming yeah. and coming and coming. And you could tell that even though Mayor expected it. You could see it in her face. I would see it in her face when she, when the bell would ring and she would go back to her corner. And I think Mayer is frank enough to admit it that maybe in the first half of the fight that, you know, it was more than she expected. I believe. I mean, she, we, we spoke to her in our last show, and she, she, she gave Hamadou's props as to how relentless she was. She, she assessed, she assessed it correctly that she wasn't as skillful as she was, Mayer. But she did give her credit before the fight that she was relentless with her style, but she just kept coming forward and forward, and she doesn't have any other gear. And I, I, I mean, I, I could kind of see it in her face when she would go back to the corner that she looked like, wow, like this, this girl is not going to stop. And she was with her coach, you know, Al Lewis, which she gives all the credit to, she was able to switch a little bit of the strategy and make it work. And going back to the scoring, I think that, you know, David, you have valid points. It all depends on the style of scoring that you like. You know, you are right that yeah. um, that Mayer scored the more harder, effective punches. But I believe that at times, Hamadouche was um, busier and was, was pushing the fight. They were doing mm-hmm. inside that ring what she wanted to do in some of those rounds. And mm-hmm. I think because of that, I would give her some of those rounds, but not enough to win the fight, you know. So I do agree with your point in that Mayer did score the bigger punches. But at one time, at, at some points in some of those rounds that were pretty close, I believe that Mayer was fighting Hamadouche's fight and not the other way around. And that's why maybe I would have given her those rounds. But I repeat not enough to win the round because I think Mayer imposed her will in the second half of the fight. So um, now Mayer is the um, unified WBO and IBF world champion. We'll talk about what's next for her in a couple of minutes. But on Friday, November the 12th, uh, from the Centro de Convenciones in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, on bluemoonfight.tv in the United States and on ESPN Knockout in Latin America, Lourdes Juarez, La Pequeña Lulu, who is the sister of Mariana Juarez, scored a unanimous decision where Luz Elena Aguilar in a 10-rounder at Super Flyweight. 
Uh, she defends her WBC title with scores of 99-91 two times and 98-92. I was at that fight, and I had the chance to speak to Luis Elena Aguilar. And her record didn't show it. She had, uh, if not less than 10 fights, a little bit over 10 fights. But she had a very extensive amateur career. She had over 100 amateur fights. She was very young, 19 years old. Wow. She had, yeah, she started fighting pretty early age, and she had over 100 fights, which you don't really see it. In Mexican boxing, whether male or female, so she went around, you know, fighting, and she had pretty good experience as far as an amateur compared to Juarez. Juarez only did ten amateur fights in a thirteen-year span as an amateur, and then she went pro at twenty-six with two kids already. Um, but one thing that that I saw, because I never seen Lourdes Juarez fight in person, I seen her sister fight in person a long time ago. But one thing that I saw from Juarez that impressed me was how relaxed she is in the ring. I mean, it looks like she's walking down the walking down the the beach, you know. I mean, she has <laughs> she's as relaxed boxing than as she is walking down the beach. By the way that I was watching her fight and her face and and, and her movements and everything. Lupe, I don't know if you got a chance to watch this fight, but did you did you get to watch it? No, I you know what I watched the highlights, and she's just uh, is she a heavy hitter? In when you no, she only has four knockouts. Seems, Why does only have four knockouts? She seems very precise. That she is, head, but she doesn't you know? really have a lot of power. Okay, she's a she seems very precise, but I'm I'm just glad she's getting her respect these days. Better late than never. Now. Before we move on, in full disclosure, I do want to mention I, I, I am working with uh, this new streaming service called BlueMoonFight.tv, which you can log in in the United States. Um, it's free. All you got to do is sign up uh, for it, and I can, I can let you know that in the plans of uh, Blue Moon Fight TV, they are going to be broadcasting uh, a fair amount of female boxing. They are not shying away from female boxing. They brought. This was the first fight that they broadcast um, on their on their uh, streaming app or on the streaming service on their website, and then they are going to be uh, streaming another one this coming week, and we'll talk about it in our fight preview. And then they have plans to stream other ones and actually make fights of their own, and not just stream the fight the female fights that are being uh, provided by ESPN Knockout. Um, which is a they do it. They, Blue Moon Fight TV made an agreement with Box Stars, which is the number one provider for uh, fight cards for ESPN NACA, which is ESPN Latin America. So besides the fights that Box Stars are going to be uh, featuring on ESPN NACA and Blue Moon Fight TV in the United States, um, Blue Moon Fight TV has plans of making their own fights, some of them female fights, uh, for the United States uh, audience. So. Look out for that. And, and full disclosure, like I mentioned, I do uh, do some work for them. So um, just to let you guys know, um, Saturday, November 13th from Denmark, Dina Porcelain scored a seventh-round KO over Selena Munoz in a 10-rounder, defending her WBO Bantamweight title. So Selena Munoz, known as a long-reigning 115-pound champion for the WBC, uh, some years ago moved up to 118 pounds. She she started gearing up and winning some fights in that weight division. She got her opportunity against Dina Torslin, and now at 34 years old, she gets knocked out in the seventh round 
we were talking about this before going on air. Um, do you see that as the end of her career, at least in the world class or world level, uh, Lupi? Oh, um, Dina's performance? For Selena Munoz, do you think that this NACA at 34 years old and after her extensive career and being in her second weight class and trying to go for a title and getting knocked out, do you think that is maybe the end of her at a world-class level for her, or do you think that she has a little, a, another run in her to try to go for another title? No, yeah, it comes – Unfortunately, it's probably come to the end for her. And, and, you know, and we keep seeing this because that's the way life is. The young ones come in. They get them when they're, you know, when they're older and and they take it from them, you know, and they retire them. We see it with Cecilia. So, yeah, I would say so. That David, do you end. agree? David, Sorry do you agree? That. Yeah, I do agree. I do agree. I think um, she's had so many fights. She's had about, what, 50 fights? Uh, I think it's time. Well, whenever, whenever you hit 50 and 50 fights or more and you get knocked out, it's time to quit. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't see her quitting because she's 34, but, and she might, you know, have, she might feel, but I think that at the world-class level, I mean, we might get her as another opponent. She had only, I think, two losses, you know, she lost to Guadalupe or maybe two or three losses. She lost to Guadalupe Martinez. She went on a run at 118 pounds. So this is only her, like, uh, actually, I have her record up here. Let me see what she has. She has four losses, two draws, 53, almost 60 fights, 59 fights, David, 53 wins, four losses, two draws, 30 knockouts in 53 fights, which gives her a knockout ratio of 50.85, which is pretty high. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what is, is, is next for her if she continues in in uh in her career but the same day in sheffield arena at sheffield england matchroom boxes gave us a on the zone alicia Baumgartner scoring a devastating perhaps knockout of the year against terry harper <laughs> in the fourth round of a schedule 10 she captures the wbc 130 pound title upsets the apple cart for eddie hearn we have been talking about this for months. Eddie Hearn has signed Hyunmin um, uh, Choi, the WBA 130-pound champion. He has signed Maiva Hamadouche, the former IBF champion, and Terry Harper with a lone outlayer being uh, Michaela Mayer. And now he has to deal with Alicia Baumgartner that takes this WBC <laughs> title to try to unify the titles and, and David, do you think that Eddie Hearn is still interested in unifying the titles? Since you know, without him saying it out loud, we kind of knew that he was orchestrating this whole thing to have Terry Harper become the undisputed champion because that's the fighter he had under his control. I don't think that he believed that Human Choi would beat Terry Harper. He probably didn't think that Maiva Hamadouche could beat her. But now, after seeing both performances, more than likely Hamadouche would have beaten Harper. So do you think he's still interested in unifying the titles when when it's not Harper? Uh, I think he's still interested only in that he's hoping that, you know, another fighter from the U.K. will come along. But, uh, I mean, they, they still have Natasha Jonas and fighters like that. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, you just can't do that with uh, – with, uh, 
boxing at the elite level, you can't really think that you can control everything. I mean, there's so much talent in the world. Uh, I I think that, you know, I wrecked his plans, but I think it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because now all these British fans that, that he has, they're going to see the, the talent coming from the U.S. And they just saw it with Baumgartner and they saw it with Michaela. And now what they're going to do is they're going to line up all the European fighters to try and knock up one of the Americans. Now, as of Natasha Jordan, yeah. I believe she signed to Boxer, so I don't know Eddie Hearn, Eddie Hearn and they're doing uh, TV with Sky Sports, so I don't think Eddie Hearn oh. has any influence over Natasha Jonas. But David, before we move on to Loopy's comments, uh, do, did you hear or do you know if if Eddie Hearn got um, options on Alicia Baumgartner? Since I don't think it was a, a mandatory. Well, he, he did. He did mention that there's a rematch clause, and uh, I don't know what that means. Does that mean that they're going to fight again before uh, Baumgartner fights what, uh, one of the others, like uh, Young Choi? I don't know, but he did mention that that there was a rematch clause. So he didn't really explain whether that's going to take place after or or before uh, Baumgartner uh, faces uh, Choi. Now, speaking of that rematch uh, clause, a lot of people on social media have given their two cents on whether Harper should go into a direct rematch against hard-hitting Alicia Baumgartner. Lupi, what is your opinion? If you could put on your managerial hat and take over Terry Harper's career, do you put her in in her next fight against Alicia Baumgartner after that knockout? No. Nobody cares. Moving on. Wow. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, I think that uh, there's loop. There's the outspoken loopy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that Eddie's Eddie. You know, he what he's doing for female boxing is great. We all love it. We all. But I think that um, he thinks that his girls are a little better than what they are. And I think we saw it with um, Natasha Jonas with Terry Harper, and we just saw it again with Alicia Bumgarner. And I think we and, saw it with you know, Art, Shannon Courtney as well. We saw that with Shannon yeah, Courtney I mean, as well. When she... Yes. See, we're seeing the cracks. We're seeing it. But hats off to the ref for stopping that fight when mm-hmm. he did. Oh, yeah. Because she was stunned. He really, he really saved her. <laughs> David, yeah, have you so. seen a knockout like that, male or female, before that, where the guy's not, where the, the fighter mm-hmm. is knocked out standing up? I mean, she was out standing I have, up. I have you seen have it a couple of times. Oh, uh, I saw one time where the guy was exactly like that and then he got punched again and woke him up (laughs) 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 now one thing about Alicia Baumgartner is I mean she she came off in the pre-fight work up to that fight at you know calling what she was going to do and and achieving it and and, you know there's a there's a quote there's a saying that says that it's not it's not boasting or it's not it's not cockiness if you're able to back it up and obviously that gets tied into the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali, who not only would say what would happen, but he would call it what round it would happen. And he would say, I'm not boasting or I'm not, you know, being cocky if you could back it up. And Alicia Baumgartner did just that. Now there has been a back and forth between her and Michaela Mayer, and it's not new. They've talked before. And as we can remember in our interview on our last show, Mayer kind of dismissed 
Baumgartner on uh, on our last show and basically kind of tied her uh, hitchster wagon to Terry Harper winning. And now it seems like Baumgartner not only ruined Eddie Hearn's plans, but um, Mikael Mayer's as well, because we could only imagine that if Mayer went to UK to face Terry Harper as both undisputed champs with two belts each, that that would be the bigger money fight than Mikael Mayer facing Baumgartner, David. Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, you hit it right in the button. That's the fight that would have made a lot more money. But hey, if Baumgartner can, uh, if uh, Eddie Hearn keeps Baumgartner and she uh, beats Choi, then you still got a big fight. Yeah, and and that and I think that would be something um, to see if Eddie Hearn has options on on. On Baumgartner, which usually you get to promote their next two or three fights, uh, according to the options that you signed. And if not, then King's Promotions, who are the promoter of Baumgartner in the United States, has the chance to make an offer to face Huming ba- uh, 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 Choi. But that would mean, you know, having some kind of TV network to back you, because I would imagine that... Um, Eddie Hearn would look for a big money fight, but that fight can't be made because even though Hyo Min Choi is from South Korea, she does have a U.S.-based promoter or at least a U.S.-based representative um, out of there, out of Northern California. So um, we'll see if that fight can be made, or you know, Baumgartner goes in the rematch against Terry Harper, which I which I, I don't recommend as well. Or if Bob Garner goes directly against Mikel Mayer, which could be a possibility because if somebody can offer some money, it's going to be top rank in ESPN. So we'll see what mm-hmm. happens in 2022 at the 130-pound division. And lastly, in our long fight review from the Honor Center in Anaheim, California, Golden Boy Promotions gave us on Facebook Watch, Areli Monsignor winning a, a controversial Split decision over fellow Mexican Jackie Calvo in a scheduled 10 rounder at 112 pounds. Mosino was down in the ninth round from a big right hand right to the kisser. Scores were 96 93 uh, two times for Mosino and 96 93 for Calvo. I actually watched this fight today and I, um, I scored it. Some of the rounds were very, very close, but I did score it. On uh, 95-94 for Calvo with the knockdown being the difference. David, you were in the house on Saturday night. What did you see? I saw it the same way you did. I saw uh, I had it dead even after eight, and then I just saw her uh, Calvo take over. And then with the knockdown, she should have won by at least three points. In my book, yeah. in my well, if, you if you had it even in the eighth round, you had a knockdown in the ninth, so she takes that round. You gave her the last round as well, because I gave Musinho the last round, yeah. but then with the – but uh, go ahead. Yeah, I gave Calvo Cal- the last The last round, rounds. so you got her with me, yeah. Lupi, what did you think of the fight? It was explosive. But you guys are right. It was hard, you know, as you watch each round, you're like, how do you even score this? It's so close. Yeah. And then you're like, the knockdown, you're like, all right – you know, I mean, that's pretty much how it was. Those are my favorite kind of fights, those toe-to-toe. Those are the best. But, yeah, that knockdown for me was kind of like, all right, I saw the separation. Yeah, that you was know, that, I mean, that, I that, that, that kind of was a difference. It was. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
Encino had Jackie against the ropes in the early rounds when I mean, it was really explosive, but Jackie had that left hook. Yeah and, yeah, and you know what? What I saw was Monsigno being the aggressor for the majority of the fight and Jackie Cabo mm-hmm. being very sneaky with inside punches that maybe some of those judges weren't able to see from the different angles, but on TV, yeah. from a higher up angle from TV, you can see them. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe that was the difference as far as the angles because, you, like you mentioned, Lupe, it was a very, very close fight and some of those rounds are like very, very hard to to um to judge and i don't want to insult anybody because i don't know how david and lupe judge fights but if you for me (laughs) if you judge a round even you're a coward you got to give it to somebody so i I always give i always give the round to if it's very close whoever lands the last punch i give it to him Wow, that's pretty that's arbitrary, but, I mean, it works, right? <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, I'm sure the judges do the same thing. They, yeah. If it's a very close round and they can't really tell, whoever lands that last punch. Yeah. yeah. That's it's a like good, how that's when a you do it. You know, I have a friend like who was a judge. judge. Oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead, Lupe. No, I was going to say it's like when you judge the amateurs. You better go in that third round, and it's pretty much you see that third round sticks in the judge's head, you know? Mm-hmm. When I have a really close round that I can't, I can't figure out who to give it to. I go, I take the advice of a of a friend of mine. Her name is Monique Rendon, who is one of the first WBC female judges out there. And she told me a long, long time ago um, that when it's a round like that, at the end, you got to ask yourself, who would you rather have been in that round? You know, and, and that's how. And then I decide then. Who would I rather have been? Maybe the one that punched, landed the last punch. I, ra- I, I would have rather been, you know. So that is the way that I usually score a tight, close round like that. Which who did, would I rather have been in that round? So that is our fight that's, review. Go ahead. That's, that's, that's the way I saw Mayor and Hamadouche. Who would I rather have been? I'd rather have been. It was well, some of those rounds. I rather I rather have been hammered because I was landing more punches, even though I was getting hit with the harder ones. So, but I see your point. I, I don't want to argue with David today. He's in Vegas, you know. Uh, I already had my margarita. He already had his margaritas. You know, I don't want to jinx him if he goes down to the table. So, so. We'll move on. We'll move on. Going to our fight chatter. As of November 12th, the WBO ordered current 126-pound champion Amanda Serrano to decide. And they gave her 48 hours, but I have not seen anything yet since. And we'll ask David about it. But the WBO ordered current 126-pound champion Amanda Serrano to decide what her plans are as far as weight categories after her next fight. Serrano is set to face Miriam Gutierrez of Spain at 135 pounds on December 18th on Showtime pay-per-view in Tampa, Florida. And the reason that the WBO have sent this letter to Amanda Serrano is because uh, in the next couple of days, and we'll talk about it in our fight preview, um, Argentinian legend Marcela La Tigresa Acuña is to face Deborah Dionisius for at 126 pounds, and the promoter of that fight had petitioned for it to be a title fight at 126 pounds since Amanda Serrano announced that she's fighting at 135. With that promoter thinking that she would vacate the title, she has not vacated the title, so the WBO um, 
decreed that that fight against a, with between Acuna and Dionysus will be an interim WBO 126-pound title. And then at that point, Amanda would have to decide where she's going to stay at 135 or 126. But in what I read at, on November 12th, the WBO had given Serrano 48 hours to decide. And I haven't seen a report on her decision, David. And here we are uh, six days later. David, do you know what she decided? Well, I know that this fight against Gutierrez is basically the prelude to a Katie Taylor fight. And uh, if she, she, she's trying to, I'm sure she's trying to get an assurance that Katie Taylor fight is going to happen because that's basically, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars, not, not no $10,000 trinket. So I think if she can get some kind of assurance, then she's just going to move forward and, and uh, you know, let the featherweight title go. But uh, I'm, I'm sure that's in the back of her mind. That She wants to make sure that she does have a Katie Taylor fight lined up. Mm-hmm. Lupi, do you think that she has unfinished business at 126 pounds that she needs to retain that title? I think it's more about the Katie Taylor fight for her. But um, I could see Amanda. Amanda does whatever she wants. She'll take the 126 because by the time post weigh-in, she's 135 anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she'll do whatever. I, I don't think she has unfinished business, but she does. She takes every all the fights. So she'll do whatever she wants. But I am serious. Like, when she gets out of her post weigh-in, she's, like, back up, like, over 10 pounds, you know? Her body, she always fluctuates. She can do whatever she wants. She, she's very petite, though. I mean, when I, when I saw her a few months ago, she's actually very petite. I don't know how she gets gets to 135 pounds. She really looks like she's yeah. and she's you know, even gone as low as 115 as well. She's gone as low as 115. Yeah. Now, the current champions at featherweight, WBC Amanda Serrano, WBO Amanda Serrano, she's a super champion at WBO, but then Erica Cruz, who beat Jelena Marjanovic for the WBA, sits as the WBA queen, and then at IBF is Sarah Mahfoud at 10-0 and with three knockouts, 13-1 and with three knockouts for Erica Cruz from Mexico. I mean, do we really need to see Amanda Serrano face these two other women? I mean, I, to, to, to see that she's the best 126-pounder out there, I mean, I can see that she, she wants to do those fights so that she could be undisputed, uh, undisputed, which is what everybody's looking to do now. They have not mm-hmm. been easy to make, as we all know. According to Serrano's team, they offered a hundred thousand dollars, or at least a hundred thousand dollars, to Erica Cruz um, to defend. And Erica Cruz ended up saying no. Then Serrano went after a hundred twenty-two pound champion uh, Yamiles Mercado in her last fight. And then I'm not sure if they made a. a an offer for Sarah Mahfoud. So it's not ha- it has not been easy for Amanda Serrano to unify at 126 pounds. But I don't think that box, you know, that we need to see it um, because we know that Amanda Serrano could beat these two other women. So maybe the best bet for her yeah. is to vacate, give somebody else a chance, and try to yeah. go after Katie yeah. Taylor. David? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, let them, let somebody else decide to be undisputed featherweight, she can always go back. You know, but mm-hmm. I would, if I was Amanda Solano's team, I'd go after Katie. 
Mm-hmm. Well, they've that's tried the it in that's the past as well. Fight. Yeah, and they tried it in the past was as well a couple of years ago, signing a three-year deal with Eddie Hearn with the third fight being that Katie Taylor fight, and it just never uh, materialized. But hopefully with a little bit more accomplishments from Serrano and the fact that she assigned to um, Jake Paul's promotion and they have a close uh, relationship with Showtime, then something can happen there. And speaking at 135 pounds, just last week, the next opponent for the undefeated, unified, and undisputed lightweight champion Katie Taylor was announced for her fight scheduled on December 6th. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, December 11th in Liverpool and live on the zone. Taylor will take on former champ. Well, actually she's a former champion of, of, uh, those, um, uh, what would you call those titles? The W I B A. I mean, I don't consider them part of the four major ones before when the WBC, WBO, WBA, and IBF were not recognizing female champions. Then you could call yourself a world champion by beating, by winning a W I B A or a W I B F or whatever they were called. But I don't think that is the case anymore. But Firuza Sharipova has held some of those titles. Sharipova is actually ranked at 135 pounds at number one by the WBA. Her long her lone loss came in her pro debut and no world class opponent in her resume. So to me, it sounds like it's a hovering type of uh, fight for Kay Taylor, hovering to see what happens with Amanda Serrano. She is. Um, you know, satisfying the number one contender for the WBA, which is one of the titles that she holds. And then um and then uh and then going from there, David, actually Lupi dropped off, so I'm sure she's gonna call back in right now. So Lupi, um kinda late in the game for them to barely announce uh her opponent when the fight's scheduled for December eleventh. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where they would just want to get that fight in. She just wants to get maybe some rest up. I'm, you know, I'm just speculating, but uh, you know, Katie, Katie is Katie. She she's a fighter. I mean, she's probably the easiest fighter to get fights for because she's not going to say no. She just wants to yeah. fight, get the best There's fighters. There's Loopy real quick. Hey, Loopy, you're back. Hi. <laughs> I don't. I got dropped. You know, and. It, it's kind of interesting because, you know, anything can happen. And at 14 and one with eight knockouts, I mean, she doesn't have, I checked out her record and she doesn't have any other world-class, I mean, no recognizable name in her, in her, uh, in her ledger. But from the things that we've seen recently, who's to say that Katie Taylor has the worst night of her life and Firuza Sharipova has the best night of her life. And we see something incredible, Lupi. Yeah, I mean, you do never know because what we've been seeing. So, I mean, should it be for all the belts, including the ring? Plus, should it just be a fight for Katie? Maybe, but you know, we never know. Earlier Women's this month, is on fighting right now. It might be a yeah. totally great fight. Oh, I agree. And earlier this month, Clarissa Shields announced that they had signed a. A uh, exclusive contract, Salido Promotions, with Boxer in the UK and, in a sense, with Sky Sports. I think they're still looking for a United States distributor for the fights. But she is going to be facing, um, you know, a, a name that we have been 
talking about for a long time. I'm sure that we could see her fights on YouTube, although I've never taken the time to look at them, but undefeated Emma Cozen from Europe, who has never came out to the United States. Who, that is who Clarissa Shields is going to be facing. Savannah Marshall was supposed to fight on the same card, and then hopefully Marshall and, and Shields facing each other early in 2022. But Savannah, who is a WBO middleweight champion, announced on her social media the cancellation of her next program, program fight due to injury. She says, and I quote, unfortunately, Due to picking up a hand injury in my last fight, I would no longer be fighting on December 11th, looking to be back out in February in Newcastle, unquote. And it looks like they're going to go head-to-head with um, with uh, the zone because Savannah Marshall mentioned that she was fighting December 11th. Katie Taylor's fighting December 11th. So it looks like the yeah. zone and Sky Sports are going to be going head-to-head in the, in the U.K., but... Um, do you think this backs up the fight against Clarissa Shields? Do you think she would want to go against Clarissa Shields coming off an injury, Loopy? Oh, Savannah? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Probably not. David, do you think that she risks it? Do you think she risks it and goes, to, and goes straight to a Shields fight coming off a hand injury? I mean, we saw Terry Harper, two hand injuries, and look what happened to her. Yeah. Um, do you think yeah. she risks it, or do you think she'll have a fight be- before? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Fairway's uh, a long ways off. Um, but then, again, look at Clarissa Shields. She hasn't fought in a long time. In boxing. boxing. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, to me, it's even. I mean, Clarissa Shields has not been boxing. She was in uh, MMA, and now she's back in boxing. And if Clarissa's willing, I'm sure uh, that uh, what's her name, Savannah, will want to fight her anyway. Just to, maybe because she feels that Clarissa's avoiding her. Who knows? Good point. Hey, you know what? Going back to that Emma Cozen, I think the only thing that I really know about her, she fought Chris Namath for some belts a few fights ago, and I didn't see it. We, I don't know where. It was in another country, but uh, people were very vocal on social media that Emma lost it. Clear. Mm. That's the only thing I remember. Hmm. Then we'll see. Uh, well, we'll see. I mean, I, we'll see her against uh, Clarissa Shields, and probably that would not be the best showing for her to be seen at the world uh, at a world uh, world class level, because she is going against one of the best out there, if not the best currently for female mm-hmm. boxing, Clarissa Shields. So. We'll see what happens on December 11th, and we'll see if they announce some kind of a U.S. distributor um, for the fight card on Sky Sports by Boxer, a promoter out there in England. Golden Boy Promotions announced their last fight card of the year is planned for San Antonio, Texas, and broadcast live on The Zone in a semi-main event. Undefeated WBA 105-pound champion, Sinise Estrada, will defend her title against fellow undefeated but unknown Maria Santiso of Guatemala. Also on the car will be newly crowned WBC flyweight champion Marlene Esparza, who defend her title against former long-reigning champion Anabel Avispa Ortiz. So Avispa Ortiz, at this late stage of her career, moving up from 105 to 112 in the 108-pound division and challenging WBC flyweight champion Marlene Esparza. Not much to say about Sinise Estrada. Santiso shouldn't be a... Uh, a, a threat since she hasn't fought 
anybody out of Guatemala. I think the, and I don't even think that the Esparza fight against Annabel Ortiz is very competitive, but it does give, see what I find interesting here, even though it's at a waiter at a higher weight class, I find it interesting how Esparza looks against Ortiz who um, fought Estrada. And then if she ends up knocking her out, um, and Avispa basically looking for big paydays in this late stage of her career. David, do you agree with that? That that is the interesting part of the of the fight between Esparza and Ortiz to see if Esparza can finish her off earlier or uh, in a knockout mm. than Estrada did. Oh oh oh! I I think uh, you know just getting back for a second on the Estrada fight. The girl she's fighting. I did fight in the world championships and amateurs against Molly Esparza. So she had some pedigree. And and then uh, the Ortiz fight, Ortiz and Esparza, I think, uh, you know, Esparza, Marlon's not a real big hitter. And I think uh, Ortiz is, you know, she's a clever, clever fighter. I think it's going to be, the the one good thing is that Esparza is bigger. But uh, Ortiz is pretty clever. I don't see it being stopped. Uh, before the end of the tenth, Lupi. Now we Maybe saw Ortiz fight. We saw Ortiz fight Lupi against Estrada, and we saw her style, which is you know she's very she's very experienced, and she's a come forward fighter, but she does have the nuance nuance in her in her uh, in her style. She's not just like a come forward fighter. She does know how to box in that style coming forward. Do you think that's going to pro- cause problems to for Esparza? I do. I mean, I know um, she already knows what Lavispa has, and we know Lavispa is getting older. But I think it's good. it's not going to be an easy win for Esparza. I think it'd be a really good fight, good match. I don't think it's going to be easy for Marlon. Now, and I'm with David. I don't see I don't see a knockout. I see it going to the end. To the end. Now, with an Esparza win here, would it be safe to say, David, that we will probably see? Areli Muncino, who has been a world champ, four-time world champion at 112 pounds. She's won. She's the only Mexican female fighter. I think even. Well, I don't know if it if it goes over to the male side, but I know for female fighters, she's the only Mexican to have won the flyweight title, all four of them, but at different times. She's been a WBC champion. She's been the WBA champion. She's been the IBF champion, and she's been the WBO champion at 112 pounds but all at different times. So do you think it would be safe to say that with an Esparza win here, her next fighter will be against Monsignor? Uh, it's a strong possibility, but I also know that it's a strong possibility that she uh, that Marlon, if she wins, fights Naoko Fujioka. Mm. In wow. Would you rather... I know like that, that fight was offered. That fight was offered, I like but... That. I heard that the money wasn't right. I wonder, would we rather see her take on, because she doesn't have a lot of fights uh, compared to Naoko Fuyoka and even compared to Areli Muzinho. And the fact that Areli Muzinho's win was a controversial one, I wonder if it would be best for Esparza to take on Muzinho first to get that experience than to take on a fighter, even though she's in her 40s, but Naoko Fuyoka is no joke. So I wonder if it would be best for Esparza to wait and take Mucinho first, like maybe in the first trimester of 2022, and then in the yeah. summer take on Naoko Fuyoka. Lupi? Or, or, or you could see a rematch or, of Calvo 
and Mucinho. Rematch so, of Calvo and Mucinho? Yeah, because the fans were really upset mm. that, uh, that uh, Jackie I, that didn't get That would be good. I wouldn't win. mind seeing that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that either and having a uh, – well, then, if that's the case, then first trimester, face Fuyoka on the same card you have Mucinho, Jackie Calvo too, and then the winner faces the winner of Esparza Fuyoka. Yeah, because yeah. you're right, Felicia. I mean, to go straight to Nyoko, Nyoko might be 40, but she's a freak of nature. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think we should I send the link of this experience. show. I think we should send the link of the show to Robert Diaz, the matchmaker for Golden Boy Promotions, because we basically just set up his first half of 2022 as far as female boxing is concerned. Robert's pretty smart. <laughs> I'm sure he's yeah. thinking about it anyway. Yeah, you're right about that. Now, uh, moving on to uh, our avid listener from the UK. I think he's from the UK. LRS on Twitter, his handle is Simplificado, posted an interesting list of the top knockout percentages in current female fighters. Number one is Savannah Marshall with 81.82% knockout ratio. Number two is Serrano, Amanda Serrano with 69.77%. Number three is Alicia Baumgartner, at 58.33%. Uh, number four is Chantel Cameron at 53.33%. Number, and right here is where Munoz should be in there because she's at 50.85, but they put Anna Gabriel's at 50% even. Then number six is Cedarouz, Erin Cedarouz at 50% as well. Number, uh, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven is Michelle Rivas from, uh, or Mayerlin Rivas from Venezuela at 45.45%. Uh, number eight is, uh, uh, what's her first name? Mitchell, the one that just won the uh, beat uh, Shannon Corey. Jamie. Jamie Mitchell, 44.44%. Number nine is Jessica Tutti Bop at 43.59. And number 10 is Dina Torslin at 41.18%. Now, these sound very impressive, but the one thing that we do have to, uh, bring up is that it also depends on the level of opposition. I mean, we saw who Marshall knocked exactly. out. Yep. Lolita, the African girl who didn't yeah. have no business being in her <laughs> in, in the ring with her. Amanda Serrano, even though she's petite, she has gone down in weight and fought a lot smaller girls at 115, mm-hmm. 118, 122 and stopped them there. Bob Gar- Baumgartner mm-hmm. looks like she's a player at 130 with the power Chantel Cameron might be a player at 140. Anna Gabriel's at 50% might be a player, you know. So so it all depends as well as who has they faced throughout their career and who have they stopped yeah. as far as the power yeah. is concerned. And something that I don't have yeah. on the script here, but it just came out today, you know, there has been a, a back and forth between Clarissa Shields and you can insert whoever you want because she does tend to go back and forth <laughs> with a lot of people on social media. But her latest trade has been Jake Paul, and today she was putting her money where her mouth is, and she stated on social media that she will put up $100,000 of her own money after her fight and after Jake Paul's fight for a sparring session against Jake Paul, six rounds, and then who sees who is the best. Now, who would judge it? Who knows? But but what I think she means by sparring special, that she, they would wear bigger gloves and and um and headgear, you know, we've seen this in the past in other sports, like Billie Jean King taking on who was that David in the seventies? 
tennis. Um, yeah, oh, I forget his name. Oh, I just saw that. That was really good. What the hell yeah. is that guy's name? <laughs> yeah, and she ended up winning. Name. She ended up winning that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's quite different hitting the tennis ball with the racket than actually getting punched in the face by a man. Um, yeah. You know, this, I, and the guy's big. He's a cruiserweight, yeah. right? He's big. He's, he's a cruiserweight. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, so, he's, a, he's athletic. Yeah, yeah, I think Clarissa Shields. I mean, I, I like her spunk, and I like that she's willing to put her money where her mouth is. But it's just not—it's just not a safe no. for her to do something like that, unless she wears, you know, ten ounce gloves and he wears sixteen ounce. But it's still dangerous, so um, I wouldn't do it like yeah. that. So um, before we move on to our upcoming calendar, our next show is scheduled for December second, and we'll be having our next show that day, probably our last of the year, um, because after that, I think I will be traveling, and then after that, it's Christmas. So we'll see. We'll, we'll, but tune in December 2nd because that's where we're going to be having our next show. But our upcoming calendar, Friday, November 19th, tomorrow from the SNHU Arena in Manchester, New Hampshire, Matchroom USA gives us on the zone the second half of that 140-pound title uh, uh, tournament. Callie Reese taking on Jessica Kamara in a 10-rounder at 140 pounds for the WBA vacant WBO and IBO titles. I think Camera is coming up on weight. She tends not to fight at 140, if I'm not mistaken, David. Right. She's been fighting at 135. Yeah, she's been fighting at 135. So not that that would make a big difference, but, you know, Callie Reese has fought as high as 147, even maybe even 154 when she beat um, – at what weight did she beat uh, Cornejo? I think it was, it was, she was, it was middleweight. higher than that. She, she, that, she uh, won the middleweight that, title. Yeah, well, yeah, but it was at 155 and three quarters, and Cornejo weighed 160, so she came in a little bit lighter. But yeah, it was at uh, a middleweight title. There you go. Um, so, so Callie Reese might Christina have a Hammer. Bit of the, what's that? She fought Christina Hammer twice. Yeah, so she might have, uh, yeah, she did. So she might have a little bit of the advantage as far as experience as well as size, but can't take anything from Jessica Camara. I think she's a live dog. If we are yep. basing ourselves in Reese's last performance, which wasn't all that great, to be quite honest. So um, we'll see what happens tomorrow on the zone. And obviously the winner of that fight will have their next partner already penciled in and Chantel Cameron, who is the IBF and WBC world champion at 140 pounds on Saturday, November 20 is a fight that we mentioned a couple minutes ago from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Marcela La Tigresa Acuña will take on Deborah Dionisius in a 10 rounder at 126 pounds for the vacant interim WBA title. And then they would wait to see, what Amanda Serrano is going to do with her full-fledged one WBL title at featherweight in France tomorrow on Saturday night as well. Segolini, Segolini Lefebvre will take on Mexican from here from Rosarito, which is about 15 minutes away from where I'm at right now. Paulette Valenzuela for the vacant WBO 122-pound title. So that's a very interesting fight as well. No, uh, I don't think we have a U.S. Uh, distribution on that one. Friday, November 26th from Argentina, Micaela Luján takes on Natalie Delgado in a 10-rounder for the IBF 115. And also on Friday from Tijuana, Mexico on BlueMoonFight.tv. So you guys could go on there and subscribe 
um, for free to see this next fight. Kenya Enriquez defends her WBC interim 108-pound title against Gabriela Sanchez. And Gabriela Sanchez is not an it's not a walk in the park, even though she does not have the pro experience of um, of Enriquez. Um, she's only eight and four, no knockouts, so she has no power. But she lost to uh, Ibella Roca Zamora, unanimous decision. She beat former interim WBA champion Silvia Torres, the sister of Ana Maria Torres. She went the decision with Jessica Tuti Bob. And she lost to um, Lourdes Juarez, Pequeña Lulu, but she beat Jackie Calvo in an eight-rounder back in 2019. She beat Paulette oh. Valenzuela, who is fighting for the title uh, on Saturday night. And she won a no contest with um, Sulem Urbina. So she fought. She, she lost to Lourdes Juarez, but went the distance. She, I don't think she's ever been knocked out. Nope, never been knocked out in four losses. So her losses, except her first one, which was a split decision to Cristina Mora, who was undefeated, her other losses have been to world-class opposition. Lourdes Juarez, Tuti Bob, and Yvette La Roca Zamora. And she's beating Paulette Valenzuela, who is who is uh, challenged for her world title. She beat Jackie Calvo, who a lot of people have seen beat a former champion, and um, Alerde Muncino. And um, and that's it. So it's not it's not like a a walk in the park for Kenya Enriquez as far as who she's facing, despite the fact that um, Gabriela Sanchez does not have any knockouts and her record is eight and four. So she is taking on a pretty good opponent on Friday night, and Enriquez is coming off a nearly two year layoff. So we'll see what happens on Friday, November twenty sixth. You can watch that fight live from Tijuana on BlueMoonFight.tv. And in Puerto Vallarta, the same night, Erika Cruz takes on um, Melissa Esquivel in a 10-rounder defending her WBA 130-pound title, and that is going to be broadcast on the zone from Puerto Vallarta. On Saturday, November 27th, from Sweden, Patricia Bergut takes on Olivia Belkansem for the interim WBC Super Welterweight title. And no title, in, but I just find it interesting that on Saturday, November 27th, Shelly Vincent comes back after announcing her retirement and takes on Shelly Barnett in a war of Shelly's in an eight-rounder at 126 pounds. And lastly, Sunday, November 28th, from Germany, Je- Jessica Schadko takes on Helen Flores for the vacant WBC silver welterweight title. So there are some interesting fights. Callie Reese tomorrow night, Acuna Dionysus, uh, Saturday night, next Friday, Enrique Sanchez, Cruz, Melissa, Esquivel, and our next show is scheduled for December 2nd. Before we say goodbye, anything to add, Lupi? I have nothing to add. David, Vegas, anything to add out there? No, I will be uh, tuning in to the zone tomorrow to watch the uh, Kelly Reese and Jessica Kamara fight. It should be good. There you go. And there's other three other three other title fights on that fight card as well. So tune right. in to the zone tomorrow. Tune in to the other platforms we mentioned. And we'll catch you here on December second. Have a good night. Good night, everybody. All right, fans, here we go. Four two minute rounds of boxing.